Welcome to LifeBeat. I'm your host, Chris Gast, Right to Life of Michigan's Director of Communication and Education. For our monthly Faith and Life feature, we are interviewing Dr. Lisa Marie Carzan. She's the president of Plymouth Area Right to Life, which covers the communities of Plymouth, Canton, and Livonia in southeast Michigan. Plymouth had a recent Shepherding a Culture of Life clergy event featuring over 52 members of the clergy from over a dozen different denominations. And we wanted to tell you about how well this event went and encourage you to hopefully attend a event in your affiliate area near you. The event's keynote speaker was Pastor Chris Toma, who of course has been on this podcast a couple times. Uh, in addition to being a president of her affiliate, Dr. Carzan is an associate professor, a university graduate program director, among other educational pursuits. She's also an accomplished opera singer. So we hope you enjoy this interview with Dr. Lisa Marie Carzan from Plymouth Area Right to Life. So we have you on today to talk about your successful pastor appreciation event. But first, we always like to start with the question, why are you pro-life? I've always been pro-life. And my husband and I, after we saw the movie Unplanned, we're on way back from the movie. And I said, you know, Bill, we've always been pro-life, but we need to do something more. We're not doing enough. And when I got home and opened my email inbox, I found an email from Michelle Burke, our field rep. Uh, of course, I didn't know Michelle at that time. I didn't have any um, knowledge of, of the existence of an affiliate in this area, in fact. And she had noticed that my son, Michael, had won the local high school pro-life oratory contest through Michigan Right to Life three years in a row. And, and she said, perchance, are you pro-life? Where there is a pro-life teenager, there's often pro-life parents. And I said, well, yeah, we're, we're very pro-life. And she said, we're looking to start an affiliate in that area. Would you be interested? And I thought, well, this isn't a, you know, God um, talking through her because we had just said that we needed to do more. And then here's this email unsolicited from someone, a complete stranger at that time, asking us if we'd start uh, a chapter. So we're very blessed and grateful to have begun this new and vibrant affiliate in the Plymouth Canton Livonia area. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about the area that you're working in? I am from Plymouth very originally. I didn't go to school there, but uh, just tell us a little bit about it's it's an interesting area kind of between Detroit, between Ann Arbor, between Oakland County. Yeah, we uh, began as the Plymouth affiliate, and then we quickly expanded to encompass the areas and to include the areas of Livonia and Canton. My understanding is that a good number of years ago, there was an affiliate in this area, um, and then it dissipated. And so we're very blessed to sort of resurrect this. In fact, I found out um, quite ironically, or providentially, I should say, that uh, when I discovered that the old president of the affiliate in this area happened to be one of my best friends from 25 years ago, who has since passed away, passed away. So I'd like to honor Daniel Pieper, uh, who is now with the Lord and certainly smiling down and blessing our affiliate efforts. So we are, as you said, located 
um, between sandwiched, nestled in between the Ann Arbor, Washtenaw area, and then um, uh, the Detroit area. So we have the blessing of being able to serve the Southeast Michigan area with a number of other affiliates around us. Uh, so one of our major new focuses from our faith outreach coordinator, Mike Cook, is encouraging our Rights Life of Michigan affiliates around the state to encourage their local pastors and churches to get more involved. And one way to do that is a live in-person event. Um, you remember when we used to have those. <laughs> um, so your affiliate, Plymouth Area Right to Life, just hosted one uh, with really, had really great attendance. So why don't you tell us a little bit about it to introduce it to us? Sure. This was an idea from a year and a half ago. In fact, I'd like to um, give credit to Jan Lenz, whose idea this originally was a um, year and a half ago, just before COVID hit. We started to plan this event and asked Pastor Toma if he'd be willing to do it uh, that April. That was, of course, April of 2020. And then COVID hit and we had to postpone you know, for a year. So uh, we sort of honored her vision and uh, really sort of expanded the model boundaries of, of, of what we wanted to do with this. It entailed, uh, in, in all, we had 52 clergy registrants from over a dozen different faith communities and rights, uh, denominations and rights, 74 lay guests that they brought, and even an archbishop from, uh, a bishop from the Archdiocese of Detroit. So we began with having renowned keynote speaker, Reverend Toma, who, as you know, is a fierce advocate for life. For life. And we had a five-member interdenominational clergy panel. We had seven pro-life organizations at resource tables. We had a medical professional from Emmaus Health who discussed the abortion reversal pill. We had a recorded address to clergy by the Equal Right Institute's Josh Brom. We had folders that we gave to all attendees that were just packed with the best pro-life resources that the pro-life world has to offer, that, that we felt the you know, pro-life world has to offer. All clergy received gift bags, which included a copy of the DVD Unplanned, a fetal model, a precious feet lapel pin, and a copy of Trent Horn's book, Persuasively Pro-Life. And then we were really excited to add, at the last minute, we were able to secure the ICU Detroit's mobile ultrasound IV, I'm sorry, RV. Uh, they came on site and gave guided tours of that uh, mobile ultrasound unit. So we sort of wanted to, rather than just have a luncheon and, and just have a guest speaker, we sort of wanted to make this an event that was not just an appreciation, actually that was much more than appreciation event. We wanted it to be an event that not only allowed clergy to network with one another so that they knew they weren't alone in this arena, so that they could um, find others who had similar concerns. So if they wanted to say, well, I have this situation going on in my church, what, what are you doing, pastor so-and-so? That they could network with one another, build each other up in the body of Christ in that way, uh, and leave equipped with resources to help an expectant mother who might come their way. So we heard very, very often from clergymen when we were making these calls and, and trying to encourage attendance at the event, um, please, can you provide us with resources? I don't know how to help 
these expectant mothers who come to me. So that was the idea is, is, is yes, to, to give them a lunch, you know, and show our appreciation for them, but much more importantly, to really, really press the limits and press the envelope on uh, helping them, being a resource for them, encourage, letting them know we've got their backs, that we support them, that we're here for them and uh, to provide them with the resources they need for advancing and shepherding a culture of life. So I always think it's interesting, um, you know, this level of uh, interdenominational cooperation you have going. So uh, it's kind of an interesting melting pot, but uh, people who might disagree on theological issues, but we can all agree on the importance of life. Amen. So well said, Chris. You know, we we were really curious how many uh, denominations did we have present. So we went through and and sort of identified everybody by their faith denomination. So we had um, not only we had campus ministry uh, pastors there, which was very interesting. And we hope to really broaden our expanse next time to include more of these campus ministers. Additionally, as you mentioned, we had Lutheran Missouri Synod. We had the Wisconsin Evangelical Synod. We had Roman Catholics. We had Byzantine Catholics. We had Maronite Catholics. We had evangelicals, non-denominational pastors. We had Baptist pastors, Pentecostal pastors, Russian Orthodox pastors, Mormon pastors, and Seventh-day Adventist pastors. So we were very... um, excited and proud to, to all join together uh, in this advance, in the advancement of life. That's why we're here, that we, you know, that we can all come together in this common cause. And that's when we're strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the focuses of your event was, as you mentioned, you know, equipping pastors to be able to connect people in their churches with Pranksy Help resources. Um, you know, talk a little bit about why that's so important. You know, a lot of churches may not realize how frequently the issue of abortion is touching the people who are sitting there every Sunday. Right. That was one of the questions that came up in our interdenominational panel. It was uh, an opportunity for audience to deposit questions into a, a basket just before lunch. And then Mike took those questions, sorted them, categorized them. And one of those questions was, you know, how do we as pastors help those ex- either expectant mothers who are considering abortion or those mothers, uh, you know, who have already aborted their children and are now suffering this post-abortive um, uh, stress and regretting their decision. And so towards this end, uh, we had many resource professionals there to assist the pastors, to provide them with resources. Uh, We had, for example, Healing Hearts, which is a post-abortive counseling ministry. Um, They focus on how God's word offers healing. So we had Tarina Green from Healing Hearts Ministry. We had Rachel's Vineyard, which is also uh, another post-abortive healing counseling um, resource, Beth Bauer came from Rachel's Vineyard. Additionally, we had the AAA Crisis Pregnancy Center uh, present, Mary's Mantle, which is a Catholic home for expectant mothers. We had Heritage House, which as you know, offers a lot of pro-life products and assistant education and research, uh, I'm sorry, outreach. Right to Life of Michigan, of course, with Mike Cook being there. And also the ICU Detroit Birth Choice, ICU standing, uh, which stands for Image Clear Ultrasound. So we had Ken Gabriel and Emmanuel Lugermo 
there who were the people who offered resources and tours of the mobile ultrasound unit. So not only were the pastors on the interdenominational panel able to exchange ideas for how to help these expectant mothers and how maybe a situation they have personally encountered played out and, and um, sharing their experiences in that way. But also these other resource professionals were there to mingle with the pastors and answer questions and provide resources. Uh, and, and, and speaking of resources, uh, so many people in the pro-life movement, even in the pro-life movement who are active, find themselves sometimes, they think that they're not equipped to talk about the issue of abortion. Um, so I, one of the gifts that you were giving uh, attendees was um, uh, Josh Brom is a, a person who trains people on how to talk about pro-life issues and whatnot. Um, you know, why is it so important for churches and pastors to be equipped to answer these hard questions? That's another great question. I uh, had never heard of Josh Brom and the Equal Right Institute, and that's the beauty of bringing together affiliate members, each of whom have such strengths in a certain area. So one person has knowledge of X, another of Y, and, and that everybody brings these gifts and, and we all grow together. So I recently uh, became aware of him and uh, through Jan, through Jan Lenz, who was able to reach out to Josh and ask if he would be willing to address the clergy group. Josh Brom and the Equal Right Institute's modules, they're extraordinary. And I've learned so much from them and have been able to employ them myself. So even pastors who have to communicate with these women, these expectant mothers, these hurting post-abortive mothers even, can learn a lot just from the communicative aspects, how, how body language even is important when speaking to people uh, who might be um, abortion-minded. And so we're just now in module three, and every week we, we watch the module lessons in advance of the, of the weekly discussion. And then we come together on Thursday evenings and, and explain how we can put those things into action. So we go through, uh, for example, this week, we're going through various um, uh, discussions. We do, do some role playing. So for example, how the SLED argument, S-L-E-D, size, level, environment, you know, you've heard these um, various defenses of how to deal with certain arguments that might be presented to you from abortion-minded folks and how, uh, for example, I was in a conversation with a woman last night and she talked about, she said, um, well, if a person's gonna have an abortion, they should just have it within the first week, as long as they have it within the first week because she you know, said, oh, well, the, the fetus hasn't implanted at that point. And before I had taken these classes, I might not have known immediately um, an appropriate response, but uh, I was thinking, oh my goodness, I just remember Josh Brom and, and what I had learned about, oh, and even um, um, some other resources that we passed out. Um, I believe it's Scott Klusendorf who talked about how to, you know, talk about the sled issue. And I said, oh, I, immediately I'm thinking that's the location idea, right? That whether, you know, whether the, whether the, um, fetus is in the fallopian tubes versus it has already implanted. That's an idea of location. So I 
because I was equipped with this new knowledge, I was able to um, kindly and lovingly say, oh, well, you know, that's a matter of location. You know, for example, when you're outside on your porch versus if you're inside, you're in two different locations, but that doesn't change the life and the person that you are. Um, so I have even found personally how these, these um, classes are helping to equip myself. So our thought was that these classes could also help, help pastors. We've dipped uh, our toe in the water, so to speak, with this first event and that we build on this momentum and, and grow it from there so that uh, we can be a resource to pastors and, to, and encourage them in, into the future to be boldly and persuasively pro-life. Yeah, I, I think a key takeaway is, uh, you know, the pro-life movement has uh, so many, so many resources available. So if you're, you know, if you're a pastor listening to this, or you're just a person looking to get more involved, uh, you know, if there's something that you want to do, the pro-life movement, we have the tools for you to do it. It's just a matter of, you know, building relationships so that we have the boots on the ground in their local communities uh, sharing the pro-life message. Yeah. And Chris, I'd like to just say, I, and for anybody who hasn't, uh, who didn't have the opportunity to attend our event, we now have the videos up on our website. So if you, if you visit PlymouthRTL.org, P-L-Y-M-O-U-T-H-R-T-L.org, right on our homepage, there's a button you can click that will take you to our video section where you can watch pastor, listen to pastor Toma's address. And then you can also listen to the interdenominational panel. It's extraordinary. And every time I listen to it, uh, I'm, I moved um, and convicted again. Pastor Toma referenced the 18th century essayist and literary critic, William Hazlitt, um, when he was talking about the complacency of some clergymen today. And he talked about this idea that uh, some will admit, you know, that abortion is horrific, uh, but they avoid discussing it in favor of attending to this or that priestly duty or this or that church matter. And of those, uh, he stated, quote, I need, uh, you know, for example, they would say, I need to get to church. I need to preach the gospel. I need to get to church because I have a Bible study to lead. To lead. And then uh, past, pastor goes on to say, never mind that some will never benefit from the work you're doing, that some will never hear your preaching that some will never hear your teaching. Never mind that the infants killed by abortion will never be given the opportunity to be baptized. Never mind that the generations of families who would otherwise be in your pews are being instantaneously erased from the earth. Never mind that by clergy inaction, people are being stripped of the freedom to believe as the Bible teaches regarding human dignity regarding life, regarding the wonderful design of man and woman, regarding marriage, all because so many in our ranks are simply passing by these issues with so little interest. And so I say, preach and teach the gospel, administer the sacraments. We cry, yes, of course, do this. But right now for crying out loud, help the dying man get in the game, lend your back to the defense of the defenseless. 
And, you know, as only Pastor Toma can say, right? I mean, it was just, it was an amazing, amazing exhortation. Well, speaking of getting into the game, so um, event planning, of course, is very intimidating for a lot of people. I've, I've heard it said that it is uh, the most stressful position short of uh, job, short of being shot at. <laughs> um, so talk a little bit about your planning process. So, um, you know, whether you are a small affiliate in a, a location very far away from a metro area or your large affiliate, um, you know, the kind of steps that go into it are kind of the same. They're not it's not difficult in terms of complexity, but it is difficult in terms of pulling everyone together and getting commitments and getting people to show up. So why don't you talk a little bit about just kind of, you know, the process of putting these kinds of events together. Sure. It, it was a lot of work. Um, and we are, as, as you mentioned earlier, a fledgling affiliate. We're, we're pretty, in fact, we're only hosting our very first banquet this, this October. Um, but we put a lot of work into the event and it, and it paid off. So uh, the, the first thing is, you know, lots of daily planning and staying on top of things. So uh, I would meet with our our educational outreach director, Jan, we would have often daily meetings, you know, from nine to 10 or nine to 11, especially in the two months leading up to the event. And we would um, plan out the details of that on a daily basis, some, some, sometimes seven days a week. But um, the most critical thing was, was getting the word out there and that personal interaction with the pastors. So we would call the pastors in our area. And of course, that's you know, a difficult task given that they're so busy and it's, it's difficult to reach them in person. So we'd, we'd begin by sending a flyer uh, with the information and a registration link so that they could, you know, we could keep track of how many um, were coming. And then we'd follow that up with a phone call and 99% of the time we couldn't reach them the first time. So we'd, we'd leave a message that first time and then keep track on a Google sheet. So we divided this up amongst uh, many of our, of, our volu- of our board members and affiliate members. And we'd each take a section of the list and then we'd keep notes in the margins about, I left a voicemail, I sent an email, call back on Thursday. Uh, whatever the case may be. And then we'd call a second and sometimes a third time, hoping to reach the pastor personally. We found that that made a huge difference. If we uh, actually spoke with the pastor and invited him personally, they were much more, they were much more likely to come and to say yes. Um, We tried to get an interdenominational, well, we, we did get an interdenominational panel of pastors. So that, that idea of, bringing four or five, in this case, five pastors together to field audience questions was Pastor Toma's idea. And it was, it was a great one. Uh, we, he, he was indicating the need for not only a keynote address, but the, I, the chance for pastors to bounce these ideas back and forth and say what's working in their congregation. He thought that was in a very important element. So uh, we loved that idea. Um, and then trying to balance that, trying to balance in, in a two and a half hour time period, which is not a very long time, you know, how do we get a keynote speaker, an interdenominational panel, 
Uh, we, you know, a, a nurse midwife from MAS who talked about the abortion reversal pill, the streaming in of uh, Josh Brom, all lent to sort of a nice balance. It wasn't just, you know, one speaker speaking, but it was sort of a nice you know, um, combination of lots of different resources, something from the medical side, something from the apologetic side, something from the pastoral side. And in fact, we did a clergy feedback sheet as well. So, uh, you know, a lot of stuff going on, but nothing truly complex, just a matter of tracking things, staying on top of it, divvying up the work and staying committed. And then of course the payoff is, deepening the relationship between the affiliate and the church. And, and what would you say is really the most important uh, reason or reasons for this uh, local partnership between Right to Life Mission affiliates and pro-life churches? I would say the title of our event, the reason, you know, our, our aim is to shepherd a culture of life. They are our shepherds and um, they're the ones who can probably most effective, well, certainly most effectively advance a culture of life in Southeast Michigan, where we're located. We thought this was probably the most important thing we could do, the most effective thing we could do as an affiliate. While certainly we can put on educational events and um, banquets and bring in outstanding speakers, that if our shepherds are equipped for courageously, boldly, and lovingly advancing a culture of life from the pulpit, that could be the single biggest, uh, most influential thing we could do as an affiliate. So uh, Pastor Toma also talked about, for example, the idea of supporting pro-life candidates and how the Johnson Amendment factors into what they can or cannot say from the pulpit before an election. And the idea that all, you know, we um, Christians own these, all these issues are Christological, Pastor said, you know, that they are allowed to speak about them, that the Johnson Amendment does not prohibit them from engaging in the public square, you know, that people are turning the Johnson Amendment on its head uh, and misinterpreting what clergy actually can and cannot say or do. And so he, he was very explicit that, especially before an election, if, if pastors regularly engage in these conversations from the pulpit and fr uh, this teaching from the pulpit, but then particularly just before an election, that this can be very, very effective. He talked about um, how pastors should act and that loving means acting. I'm, I'm sure you've heard Pastor Thomas say that um, the opposite of love is apathy. Mm -hmm. And this idea of the lack of consistency between belief and action. And so he, he goes on to say that acting means actively teaching people to know who they are as Christians in connection with the ideas of being pro-life and, and teaching about what it means to be pro-life. So he says, acting means that you need to start saying to people in your care and in your congregations, no, a Christian cannot vote for a candidate who sides with the killing of babies. No, a Christian cannot in conscience vote for a candidate seeking to impose upon the freedoms of the church to proclaim the gospel in these things. No, you cannot be a Christian 
and vote for candidates who hand over the boundaries of objective truth. So this idea of our pastors being equipped to do this, being um, emboldened to do this is the primary aim for the, our shepherding a culture of life. Okay, Dr. Lisa Marie Carzan, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we're so glad that your event uh, worked out. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for listening to our interview with Dr. Lisa Marie Carzan from Plymouth Area Right to Life. If you are interested in getting involved, whether it's hosting an event for churches or pastors as part of an affiliate, or if you're a pastor listening and you want your church more involved, or you're just a member of the general public, we're here to help you make that happen and connect you. doesn't matter how big or small your group or church is or where you are in the state. Our Director of Faith Outreach, Mike Cook, will walk with you step-by-step step to make sure that you have a successful connection and that you're furthering our pro-life mission and saving lives in your local community. If you want to get in touch with us, contact us on our website. That's rtl.org. Our email is info at rtl.org, and our phone number at the state office here is 616-532-2300. Have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend, and we'll see you next week.